Liverpool Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. How are you, friend? Thank you very much for joining us on the Paul Leslie Hour. It was just the other day I was talking to our friend John Paradise, which on a good day you get to talk to John Paradise. He was a past guest on this show. Check it out if you get a chance. Anyhow, he had a special request. We were talking about Warren Buffett, and he wanted me to pull the Doris Buffett interview out of the archives. Warren Buffett, of course, is the famous business magnate, investor, philanthropist, chairman and CEO of Berkshire Hathaway. You could call Warren Buffett an American folk hero. I had the chance to interview his sister, Doris Buffett. She is the founder of the Sunshine Lady Foundation, which is an organization working for the advancement of education for disadvantaged people. They do a lot of good things. She is also the genealogist for the Buffett family. This interview took place and was recorded when there was some mystery as to whether businessman and author Warren Buffett, again, that's her brother, and the singer-songwriter, tropical tycoon, and author, also a businessman, Jimmy Buffett, were related. So this interview is very interesting. If you want more information, I would suggest you check out the thedorisbuffettstory.com. You can also check out sunshinelady.org for more information on the Sunshine Lady Foundation. So whether you're John Paradise or somebody else, no matter who you are, enjoy this interview with Doris Buffett. And let me know what you think. It's Buffett Mania, and we are going to introduce you to the charming Miss Doris Buffett. You could say Miss Buffett is a sunshine lady. In fact, she is the founder of the Sunshine Lady Fan Foundation. She has also been an educator and is the official and original family genealogist for the Buffett family. She has a little brother you may have heard of, Mr. Warren Buffett, the famous chief executive of Berkshire Hathaway. A big Buffettesque aloha to you, Miss Buffett. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be with you today. Tell us, how did you get interested in genealogy? Well, I just had, I think, a, a natural interest in finding out where my family came from. and it was, uh, it was aided and abetted by my father, who handed me a few materials on his side of the family, who came from Long Island, and one was a, a couple of them were in the Revolutionary War. And that lay fallow for a long time until, I don't know what sparked it, but I decided I had to find out what, what the family was all about. So I started it, and uh, I went to original sources. Uh, didn't re I did not rely on a lot of written things. And uh, I had the pleasure of going into the, the basements of old uh, courthouses and finding wills that were still wrapped with pink ribbons. They'd never been touched since they were written maybe 150 years ago. I found a lot of, a, a lot of interesting facts. I wasn't trying to relate us to the crowned heads of Europe. I just was immensely curious about how these people lived, what they thought, what they dreamed about, and how they made it, because the fact that they made it resulted in all of us today being here. And one of the people you traced the family roots to is John Buffett uh, in 1969 from Long Island. Actually, it was, 60, it was oh, 1696. Right, 1696. Yeah, yeah John Buffett married uh, uh, Hannah Titus in, uh, in Huntington, New York at that time, and he... Thank goodness he signed a dower agreement because that's really just about all that uh, has lasted. And he promised fifty dollars in gold. And he said in this dower agreement that he he was a uh, um, 
a search weaver, and that's the only clue we have. He could sign his name, which was pretty good in those days. And having the money in gold meant he had some some substance. And he then turned up uh, exchanging property. As one one town historian said to me, in those days he felt that they all sat around all winter long every night and exchanged properties. So he added to and subtracted from what he owned, and he was a farmer. And a weaver, because uh, somebody has a quilt that one of his grandsons, uh, not a quilt, but a um, uh, a bed covering that uh, one of his grandsons has made. So it was passed down on the other side of the family to some degree. But all the rest of the Buffets were mainly farmers. There were a few seamen, but mainly they were farmers. So nobody did anything very exciting, but they were good citizens. They served on various committees during when New York was a colony, and they fought in the Revolution the Great Battle of Long Island. So I found them to be sturdy and uh, reliable and steady and uh, hardworking and good stock, good, good yeoman stock there. And what uh, what part of Europe do you trace the Buffett family from? Well, that's a, that's a really big mystery because uh, my father always told me that we were French Huguenots and, and actually there were two sides of the family, and the other, they lost contact a long time ago, and yet they, their oral tradition was exactly the same. So I went over to England, and um, I went to the French Huguenot Society, and I went through everything they had, and I went to the, uh, the uh, Weaver's Guild House, which had records going back beginning time, I think, and uh, I found plenty of Buffets, and actually the Huguenots at that period in the 17th century were the weavers of the world, and uh, a lot of them settled uh, in in the east part of London, but they seem to me to be silk weavers more than uh, serge weavers, and none of them was thoughtful enough to leave a uh, a will saying, and to my son John, who went to the New World, I bequeath you know twenty shillings. So I was unable to find a contact there, and I that led I went to um, all the Channel Islands because there was a Buffett there, and uh, and then later on I went up to Newfoundland and and checked out Buffett's there, all of whom were related more to Jimmy Buffett than our family. I was hoping to find a connection, but I wasn't able to. So you said you were looking for a connection, but in your personal opinion, from your research, do you think Jimmy Buffett and Warren Buffett are related? Well, they certainly share the same interest in making money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... Uh, i tell you one intriguing thing. Uh, many Buffets who were fishermen on the southern shores of Newfoundland uh, migrated. Some of them came down to Boston, but many more of them went to Nova Scotia and then into other parts of Canada. So for a while I was corresponding, well, I still corresponded intermittently with a, a very nice guy uh, in Canada. And one day he sent me a picture of himself and his sisters, and I nearly fell over because he absolutely could be a um uh, not a fraternal, but an actual twin of my father. And uh, that blew me away. I showed it to Warren and my sister Bertie, and we were all just thrown by the resemblance. Uh, my father didn't have a face that you saw everywhere. Here was this man who showed up looking exactly the same, and he was from the same general stock that uh, Jimmy's from. So maybe there is something. It's, it's not a terribly common name, but on the other hand, you dig into the name part very far, and you find out people, because they were illiterate, um, whoever the scribes were, took down what they heard. Some spelled it B-O-V-E-T-T. There are just all kinds of variations on the theme. So I'm, 
I just think it'd be fun to find out. Uh, my brother plays the ukulele. Jimmy plays the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> no, that doesn't prove a thing, but it would—it just would be kind of fascinating to um, jump a couple hundred years back and find out if there was a, a connection. I was reading the uh, the article that you were interviewed for in the Wall Street Journal. Oh yeah. And I was looking at the picture of uh, Mr. Jimmy Buffett and Warren Buffett. And I looked at them and I said, you know, they actually kind of look similar. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, they don't look dissimilar, and in coloring they're pretty much the same. But we'll just have to do this DNA thing and, and see if it shows up that way. I think he calls Warren Uncle Warren. He calls me Uncle Dora. Uh, Uncle, I mean Aunt Dora. <laughs> so when we call him Cousin Jimmy, but um, it'd be fine. It'd, it'd be fun to nail it down one way or the other. I'd rather have it work out that we are related. But I'll have to. But I'll tell the truth, no matter what happens. <laughs> well, you'll have to report back to us. <laughs> okay, I'll be happy to. <laughs> so, how did you meet Jimmy Buffett? Well, I just when I decided to delve into this, um, I think it was in about 1975, no, and I I got a list of all the Buffets in the country, and I proceeded to make out this really dandy group of things to send to each one of them in a big Manila envelope. You know, I wanted their birth certificates and their school records and any old stories they have of their family and things like that. And I send out, I really believe there's about 116 of these. And I thought I was, the mail was just going to come pouring back to me that everybody would be interested. Well, I think I heard from about 12 people. So then it behooved me to call people, and sometimes I went and visited them to find out more. And everybody was very helpful when I did that. However, they never sent me the stuff I was hoping for. But... Um, Finally, a couple of years later, I got a call from um, Sunshine Smith, who was um, Jimmy's secretary, and she said, uh, I'm cleaning off Jimmy's desk, and I find this envelope here. He's really very interested in genealogy, and I thought, yeah, <laughs> I noticed it, but if you say so. So she said he would, some people named Buffett had come to see him in Florida, and they came from Norfolk Island, which is between New Zealand and um, Australia, and that there were many, many Buffetts there. Well, I'd already contacted a few of those Buffets, and um, they're an interesting lot because they're all descended from the uh, people on the mutiny on the bounty, the sailors and their Tahitian wives and girlfriends. And so, uh, you know, that would be another possible connection. So he was about to go out to Australia on his first uh, uh, tour with a band, and after he vetted me, <laughs> took me to dinner and looked me over, he said I could come along. And so... I got a, quickly got a visa and, uh, joined the entourage. There were many people on this trip and I was, I, I really traveled and was housed with his parents who were just darling. They, they both died a couple of years ago as you probably know, but, uh, they were lovely people and I enjoyed them and I, I got to know his little girl Savannah and I met a lot of Buffets on Norfolk Island, more than I've ever seen before. They were really a fascinating bunch. Uh, some of them looked Polynesian, others looked British, some of them were a combination, but uniformly, they were incredibly kind and uh, and hospitable to us. They had a luau like I've never seen. And for the first time, I heard Jimmy perform when we were on Norfolk Island, and he did a, a little number for uh, that benefited the children's musical careers or school. And so, finally, I heard Jimmy Buffett in an acoustic performance. Then we went on to Australia to see the, um, uh, what do you call it, America's Cup. And then I came home. 
And then after that, I went to Newfoundland and checked out all the leads I'd been given by his mom. She would send me the letters he got where people said, we just might be related to my great-great-aunt, Matilda. And I found some terrific Buffets up in Newfoundland, but I couldn't make the connection. Part of, partly because uh, while they kept pretty good records up there, they'd only collect them once or twice every couple of years. A, a boat would go out and hit all these little teeny settlements and write down births and deaths, and then invariably the boat would sink. And so there was never any really good train. of uh, Lots of Buffets, but none of them connected. So I turned all that literature over to the Genealogical Society up there in St. John's and uh, came back home and continued working on the ones I knew something about. And um, then I've gotten that all compiled, and it's um, it's in the Huntington Historical Society because that's where we started out. That's sort of a long-winded answer, but that's... <laughs> It's been a fun journey. I mean, I nearly got killed twice. Oh, my gosh. Too much for little, you know, old ladies in tennis shoes doing the genealogy. But I met a lot of really helpful and nice people. Genealogists help each other. Amateurs do. And uh, they'll always point you off in another direction, give you a lead, and tell you something you didn't know. And they're a very friendly and generous group. So I've enjoyed my all my work with them. And some of them are really detectives. They are so good at finding things out. Fortunately, I'd worked for a district attorney for a little while, so I learned that when you come to an obstacle, you find a way over it, under it, or somehow, you know, find another, check it out one way or another. And that's really the fun of genealogy. You mentioned the uh, the trip to Norfolk Island. What kind of, what, uh, what is the island like? You, you mentioned the, hanging out with the Norfolk Buffets. But... Yeah, well, it, it's actually three by five. That's easy to remember. Three miles by five miles. And it's a beautiful, beautiful island. It's sort of mountainous. Uh, it, they are so trusting over there and, and live such a simple, good life that they have no police force because they don't need one. And they, we were told that if you had a $20 bill, it was a good idea to sign it so if you lost it, they could return it to you. Hmm. And I thought, I can't believe that people are still living like this. This is wonderful. So uh, it is also... There's no port for Norfolk Island, none at all. And it was the second most infamous settlement for uh, British prisoners when they had the great movement to send them off to Australia uh, or parts near there when they were um, clearing out. They'd run out of space in jails in England, and they could, um, I think there was something like 500 reasons you could be executed all kinds of, you know, steal a loaf of bread and you were deported. And five-year-old kids were sent and 93-year-old men were sent. And they were treated so inhumanly. Um, it was terrible. Some of them would do bad things just to be able to be shot. And they spoke about how their bones stuck through their, they were glistening white bones in their back because they were beaten so often. So it was a horror story. It was a beautiful island, but it was hell on earth. And there was no way off of it because there was no place that had water that you could swim to, I mean, water to drink. So it has quite a lurid past, and uh, now it's as peaceful and trusting and good-hearted as you, would ever, you wouldn't believe it existed on the face of this earth, but that's the way it is over there. there uh, you mentioned earlier about the, the fact that Jimmy Buffett plays the guitar, and your brother Warren is uh, 
the well, ukulele player. He plucks the, you know, the ukulele. And uh, his son is a musician, Peter Buffett. Oh, Peter well. is. Yeah, you know, Peter is a bona fide uh, musician. He was playing one of those little toy pianos when he was three years old, and he's never lost his interest, and his skill has grown, and he has a lot of talent and uh, a lot of soul for music. So maybe there's some kind of Buffett gene oh, yeah. that has well, to do with music. Yes, well, it went right by me. But uh, my son plays a stand-up bass, so maybe we can make a case for that. They're very engaging people, I will say that. They're, you don't run into too many dull people. But steady. But that doesn't have to be the same as dull. What is something about Warren or Jimmy that you think people would be surprised to know? I think most people would be very surprised to know that Warren has one of the best sense, senses of humor or that that exists. He's incredibly funny. He's very witty. And uh, that's that's a large part of his personality in his everyday life. I always look forward to being with him because I know I'm going to laugh. Um, and he's never unkind with the, the humor, I have to say that. And he's self-deprecating. Uh, there's a little there's a little bit of ham there in Warren, and uh, we might sit, tie that in with Jimmy, I suppose. And Jimmy is more of a businessman than people realize, I think. I was thinking about a really clever illustration that could appear, and I was thinking about having a, a picture of Warren wearing a Hawaiian shirt playing his ukulele, and he's calling, uh, he's calling Jimmy, and Jimmy's in his office with his suit on, uh, just the opposite of what you'd expect. Well, I tell you, they did something like that in, um, let's see, which magazine was that, or paper? No, it was a magazine. I think it was Forbes, probably, some years back. Um, Warren had on a Hawaiian shirt, and he was helping Jimmy, who was grimacing, um, to uh, put put on a tie, tie the tie. So, yeah, well, they came. I, I, one thing is, I thought was kind of interesting. A couple of years ago, I took my family down after Christmas to Key West because we'd never been there. And after I, and I of course went over the Marguerite. We all went to Margaritaville, of course, and then we went to the offices and, and talked to some people that were very nice. But after I'd been there a while, I realized that um, Key West could produce Jimmy. Omaha, Nebraska probably never could have. And and Warren could, would never have come out of Key West. So so they're sort of a product of their environment to some extent, hmm. I think. That's just my theory, half-baked theory. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Tell us about the Sunshine Lady Foundation and how you got inspired to start that. Well... I started it in 1996 when my mother died and left me money. And um, I'd already set up a 501c3, a charitable foundation. Uh, I'd gone through the paperwork because my mother was 93, so it was inevitable. And um, uh, I have, uh, I've always loved to share good things with people. That's, with all my faults, I have that one redeeming characteristic. And um, and I, I felt that I want, with this money, which... Obviously, I'd never earned, but I felt I could be as good a steward, the best. I would attempt to be the best steward of it possible. So um, I started right in um, and and concentrated on just a few areas, and we just, we've enlarged that a little bit. But uh, I have about I have ten wonderful younger women working with me, and uh, we're a great team, and they too have a sense of humor, and we enjoy we love our work. Uh, I. The first thing I do is um, I help educate 
women who have been um, survivors of domestic violence, and that changes their lives, changes their children's lives, and they do not go back to being battered. And so that, right now I have 532 women from Hawaii on east, and uh, the letters I get from them and the results of this program are nothing short of phenomenal. It's, it's just thrilling to read the letters because they're, they're grabbing this chance and they're making the most of it. Tell us when we can expect to know the results of the DNA test. Well, Is there any idea? I, I would have done it by now, but I've, um, I've had two bouts with cancer, and the latest one was this summer, and I'm okay, but it slowed me down. So uh, when that article appeared in the journal, I, I heard from a couple of places that do DNA testing, and they offered their services and sent me kits and the whole thing, so you'd think I would do it you know, next Monday or something, but I haven't, I really haven't gotten organized at that point, but I will, I promise I will, um, <laughs> I just, and it, it won't, it'll be shorter rather than longer, because I'm, I'm as curious as anybody else is about the results, so, they're prepped, they're ready to go, they're agreeable, and so, it's all on my shoulders, and I, will, <laughs> I promise I'll do it, I'll do it, I just got a lot of things on my plate right now. And I'm really just sort of getting well, too, so I haven't got it right at the moment. I don't have as much energy as I've had before, and I'm sure I'll have it again. So that's the indefinite answer to your question. Well, the question is gripping all of America. <laughs> well, the listeners at home can tune into the next episode, the episode after when that happens, and we'll tell them <laughs> who or whether we'll open the sealed envelope. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Do you want to know? <laughs> no, they are not related. <laughs> oh. Yes, they are, whatever. But, uh, okay. Okay. My last question is my favorite question to ask everyone. Yeah. And that is, since this goes out all over the world, what would you like to say to the world? Well, I think we should all be kinder to one another. In genealogy, find out that no matter where you or I go in the world, we're no more, we're no further distant than a 30th cousin with every single person on the face of the earth. So that idea of one big family, uh, a brotherhood of man, really does exist. If you think that the next person you meet, if you go to Africa or South America or Antarctica, Russia... They're no more than a 30th cousin. Now, that's not a whole lot of difference. And I checked this out. I had read in a book it was 50th cousin, but I checked it out, and it's 30th cousin. I just think we could afford to be a lot nicer to each other and helpful. I think it's. I think life is extremely tough, uh, and it's tougher for some people than it is for others, and I just don't know why we can't lend a helping hand. I guess that's that's what I would hope for. We could sure solve a lot of problems if people get on board. And if they can't get on board, just get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and just remember, it isn't why do you do things, it's why not. You have a, many, you have chances almost daily to do something good. Small, big, whatever. Oddball, standard. And there's a lot of goodwill in people, we know that. And I just like to see it be recognized and see it flourish, because I think we could afford to be a whole lot kinder to each other. That's it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Mrs. Buffett. You are a woman of the century. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just a white-haired grandma here trying to get by. But I appreciate being asked to talk, and I, I wish all of your listeners well. And let's, let's keep the, the good times rolling there at those concerts. <laughs> yeah. 
I went to one and sat on the stage. Oh, my, that was an experience. I took my grandson. He was about six at the time. And look out at all those people, you know, sh sharks to the left or whatever, pins <laughs> to the right. It was a great experience. <laughs> so keep it up and be kind to one another. Zip, bip. Bibbidi bop, boobity zing, dang, bon chee chee, cuddly zing, a bang, doo, coo chee, yatsi kiddly matsu go, oh, you should get gone, go gone, go go geezing on the glen, dang, I'm bon tight, it'll as a good plant, and do, and do, but do you good do, goodbye.